Kia ora. Welcome back to Ngahere Talks. Here's a bonus episode, a kōrero with the Right Honourable Winston Peters, aka Uncle Winnie, about leadership and longevity. Hope you enjoy. Alright, shot guys, work with me on this one. I'm super nervous. This is the most nervous podcast I've ever done. Um, I think just because of your stature and your um, seasoned oratory and your ability to rip people to shreds. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want a good Anybody time. Anybody that flatters me I usually want wants know. something. <laughs> <laughs> Not that much. Not that much at all. But I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do here. Um, yes. And then if that sparks anything, feel free to ask. And then we've got right. a few questions as well. Nothing too controversial. Um, and I will flatter you because I do actually respect who you are as a leader in Aotearoa, the longevity that you've shown in your career, stuck at something. And one of the questions I'll ask you at the end is probably what your advice would be to the Instant generations that we have right now about longevity and sticking I love that at phrase, something. Instant generations. We do, we do have them, but we'll come to that. So this oh, Friday we that, call. Remember that Queen song? I want it all and I want it now. Yep. Was that your jam? No, it's not. <laughs> That's the problem. You can't get it all and you can't get it now. Yeah, you can't. Patience, right? That's right. Hard work. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more soon. So this Friday we call Te Ha or Manukau. We're about to rebrand it soon to Grid Manukau to align with Grid Auckland, which is the innovation precinct uh, in the middle of Auckland City. Um, it was developed as a partnership with the Southern Initiative, which is Auckland Council um, and ATED, and we are Ngahere Communities, a uh, social enterprise owned and operated by predominantly Māori and Pacifica women based here in South Auckland. So we partner with these two um, organisations to grow this whare here as a, a co-working space, a shared space and a place to help build the ecosystem of creators, innovators and entrepreneurs in South Auckland, particularly Māori and Pacifica. Um, we run a programme here called Tukua, which is a, um, a programme to help the growth and development of entrepreneurs so that they have like-minded people around them, they have a place they can come to, they have access to networks and, and funding and experts and things like that. Um, we do support for creators, content creators, digital content creators, those that are telling stories online. Um, and then we also have a lot of support for gamers. Um, and then we've just recently developed an online marketplace called Cornet. We just did it through um, through the lockdown, which is to help support the development of Aotearoa-owned brands um, and young brand owners that are coming through and bringing really cool products out for Aotearoa and hopefully for the rest of the world as well to see. So we do a lot of things here. Those are the things we focus on. It's really choice to have you here. I'm not super political. I'm not super intelligent. So I'm not going to ask you too many political things because I probably won't really get it. But like I said, leadership and longevity is something Never I undersell genuinely admire. Never, ever undersell yourself. The common person's common sense is heaps more preferable than so much of the bureaucratic or, dare I say it, elitist language of this country. Mm. Awesome. You mind if I move this a bit closer? Uh, let me speak louder. Yeah. Usually people Go don't ask me to do that. <laughs> 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 this place is a little bit different. So just starting off something a little bit, like a lot of us don't know that much about you, to be honest, a lot of younger people here, but where did you grow up and what was your upbringing like? I grew up way up on the east coast, uh, up north, in a very, uh, well, how shall I say it, different age, where uh, the, the then province of Northam, other parts of New Zealand might have come out of the recession, but they had not. Mm. So, uh, you know, uh, dirt floors and eco huts and people living in tents and without electricity in circumstances where the school I was at would have had 37 horses there every day. Choice. And it wouldn't be one child to a horse. It'd be sometimes three or four. <laughs> uh, so that was the kind of uh, background. One of 11 children, four sisters and uh, six brothers. Wow. 
And uh, a lot of people don't understand that when they talk about poverty and things like that, they don't know the half of it compared to some of the people in my background. Mm. Yeah. So with that in mind, what would you say would be your greatest achievement in life? Well, uh, that's, the, uh, that's a request for immodesty, really. <laughs> <laughs> Never undersell yourself, Winston. <laughs> no, you're right. You've, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. <laughs> Those are all two things, but the reality is, I, when I think about what is my greatest achievement, I... Um, I've never thought, thought about it that way. Mm. I mean, I live in a profession where everybody wants to talk about their legacy. It's, it's, a, it's an astonishing statement because they haven't got one. Mm. As a former lawyer that, you know, a lawyer that used to write, uh, write wills and testamentary promises, that's where you get a legacy. Mm. And the rest of it, you should have the view that it is a serious privilege to be in the job you're at. Mm. If you don't like it, go and get another one. Mm. But uh, I get so many people who say, you know, I'm here to make a difference, and I think... And they've gone, well, what difference did you actually make? Mm. Apart from, in many cases, making the world worse. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a strong one. You know, we heard that um, you're quite good in a boxing ring. We were just wondering, could you give us a little demo <laughs> on how fast your hands are? No, I'm not good in a boxing <laughs> ring at all. Uh, the reality is, was that I used to be a big fan and still am of boxing because you've got all the part about violence, but it has this aspect. In that ring... Only you. Mm. Nobody else can help you mm. for each three minutes of those rounds. And uh, often uh, I say to people, boxing and politics are not so different. If you're getting beaten up in one corner, there's still three other corners to get to. Yeah. Get there real fast <laughs> and own them, right? And keep moving. Yeah, that's awesome. We actually have a few people in here that when they uh, look at their views um, and what they think about politics, they align quite strongly with New Zealand First. Uh, you're you know, super I, I, entertaining. I can tell you I was at my... Uh, to the bar with my mother for a celebration of that at the top of the town in those days and in walked this big crowd of uh, African-Americans mm. and I said to my mother, do you realise who that is? And she said, no. And I said, that's Joe Frazier. Wow. Right? She was actually astonished. Mother's a big sports fan as well. Mm. And uh, then I also had a long lunch once with uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, one of the greatest really? boxers of all time. Yeah. So it's made really quite amazing. He was very bright, he had a legal degree. Uh, really bright guy, but his boxing was his fame, mm. and he was a, uh, one of the best, most not entertaining but uh, valued conversations I've ever had with anybody. Mm. Awesome. So you do know a few of the stars, eh? What's Joseph Parker like? Oh, Joseph's a great guy. Yeah, seriously great guy. In fact, he's you know he's a the kind of guy that uh, is miscast when you just talk about boxing, because he uh, I got him once to a function as an inspirational speaker, and he stole the show. Mm. It was an easy on first AGM, actually. Yeah. I need a guy down here to talk about a different world because we're all in a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So you're pretty fun to watch as a politician, I think. You always crack me up, the things you say and the way that you go about things. What would be your favourite moment of your political career, one that stands out? Uh, when we come blasting in at this election. Oh, come on. <laughs> stand back and watch. Okay, we'll be watching. Well, you know, if you do polls and you leave New Zealand first off the polls, it's quite possible you don't poll very well. Mm. I've been in this game 27 years being put down by some people in the media. Yeah. This is not my first rodeo, so to speak. Yeah. And this is a believers campaign. Awesome. I really like that. I like your slogan out there too. So you are a strong and successful leader, Winston. You really are. How do you keep yourself ahead of the rest? <laughs> That's a very fascinating question. <laughs> uh, 
Well, leadership, you always got to be at the front, right? And it's not always easy. But you've managed to well, do it for about, years. Leadership's about courage. Mm. It's about having uh, the capacity to listen. You always want to know from your team their best suggestion. And you, could have, you should always have strong debates. And in those strong debates, it should never be the view that this person's not listening. Mm. It's trying to squeeze out the best possible um, uh, view or idea or concept, so to speak. And uh, it's very, very important that mm. you listen up real hard. In our political system, for example, the provinces have been forgotten. Yeah. And dare I say it, until election time, the poor people have been forgotten as well. Then all of a sudden, they've got a lolly scramble where they're tossing money around like an eight-armed octopus. <laughs> and you and I know they're not going to deliver, right? Yeah. The rich can't afford it. And people want to know what is our pathway out of this. And if you concentrate on the four things that people do need, which is people need decent housing. That's number one. Mm. That's affordable. No more than, say, 33% of their income for the rates, the insurance, and the mortgage. Mm. Now it's at 64. 70% is just terrible. And they need to be able, to, they need to buy, uh, to be able to buy a house that's four or five times their annual salary, mm. not 12 times. And then that's the first thing, housing. And the second thing is they need a health system that's affordable for their parents, themselves, or their children, that they can access with speed. Because it's a human capital you're talking about. You wouldn't let animals go to waste like that. Mm. So why would you let your human capital go to waste? Third thing people need, having said that, is an education system. And an education system is like the lifts here. People look at a building, they don't realise there are escalators going there, there are lifts going there, and education takes you from the top, the bottom floor to the very top. So mm. you need that, and the, the world's your oyster. And the last thing is first world jobs with first world income. Nice. Those are four things that Polynesia, Māori and Pacifica want. Guess what? It's what the whole world wants. Mm. Excepting when you get into a political campaign, they're running it to every other alternative as though they're going to deliver, and they're not. Mm. Because if they had delivered, they wouldn't meet, need to be making the promise in the manifesto now. Mm. Awesome. I do love that, and I do agree. We have a few of the whānau here from Manaki Rangatahi and, and QES who run some <coughs> of the, the youth services for MSD in this area. And they um, are tackling the challenge of youth homelessness um, and it's something that's not quantified. There's no data around youth homelessness in specific, uh, specifics. They don't understand the problem enough. What, I mean, what do you think about that? What would be your stance? Well, enough on data to know. You see, politics has got this uh, about it, which is really regrettable. People try and explain things by changing the language. Mm. We had the theft and fraud of Wall Street in 2008, 2009, being called the global financial crisis. Mm. Absolute rubbish. But see how they took the focus off what was going on in Wall Street? Mm. And now we have this dialogue or narrative where all the other politicians are talking about child po poverty. Mm. It ain't a child poverty, it's family poverty. Yeah, yeah. Why can't they actually deal with it and, and start with the, the proper prognosis as a doctor would rather than trying to change the language? Or, you know, printing money is called quantitative easing. <laughs> Joe Bloggs out there doesn't know what <laughs> on earth they're talking about, right? Yeah. But they use that phraseology yeah, because yeah. it means that they can get away with kidding the people that they're actually doing something. The art of a politician, eh? Not. Well, you, you call it the art of a politician, but it's not the satisfactory art of politics. Politics, like your business, is about communications. Mm. People should be able to understand in the most simple of language, excepting they've got you know words with six syllables in it. And boy, does that leave most people out. <laughs> you know, I, 
I can say wheelbarrow too, can't I? <laughs> it's that sort of thing. I, I've watched all my career. Well, that's gone on, and yeah, yeah. I've seen a country that used to be the leader in the degree of home ownership. Mm. We brought people from the countryside, people from the islands into houses in all parts of this country, and we were a property-owning democracy. Mm. And look how that's been corroded. Mm. Awesome. Okay, last question because I know that you've got to move on. But back to the question I said before. <laughs> Hey, Auntie here. How you been? We've been busy as getting together some of our own local talented young brands so that you can support Aotearoa in one of our favourite ways. Shopping. Come and see what we've made for you at www.kone.nz, a new online shopping experience. But back to the question I said before, what would be your advice to someone who's played the long game? In the most flattering way, not calling you old at all. Um, someone that's stuck it out, that's gone the highs and the lows, that you know you've stuck to what you believe in, you've done the things that you felt were right. Um, what would be your advice to these instant generations now? Well, my advice, frankly, is that life's like the seasons. You're always going to have a winter. But if the winter's lasting five, six, seven, twelve months, then have a good hard look as to why that was. Mm. You're always going to have in your life a winter. But your job is to make sure that you're planning for spring and a long summer and as short of autumn and as short of winter as possible. Mm. That means that preparation and knowing what you're doing and knowing as much as you need to know about where you're going to go and what you're going to do is critical. It gives you the edge. So if, you, if there's eight parts to a discussion, you need to know all eight parts. Mm. The mistake many people make is they know four parts and when somebody raises the fifth, sixth and seventh one, they're confused. So you need to know what's going on. And second, if you've got a complaint, make sure you know what you're complaining about mm. and get out of the way of the complaint. So if you're standing there making a complaint and you've got a big, huge uh, derrick above you with a big hammer coming down, so li very likely it's going to land on your head. I kind of think I'd get on the side and make my complaint, <laughs> not in the middle of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I suppose the other sort of most enduring thing, when I said you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Mm. You really have to concentrate on that. And then, I suppose, rather than just instilling yourself with false confidence, you've got to earn the right to believe in yourself. I love that. Because you've done the work to do so. And bear this in mind that no matter how many enemies you've got, if you're standing by values and principles that are enduring, and they're usually handed down by hundreds from hundreds of years from your people, mm. these, principles these principles will sustain you. You can't be everybody's friend and you'll find... Often in life, the level of criticism that you get is so, so unjustified and it, it's a form of modern bullying. Mm. You'll see it now in the trolls and all the social Absolutely. media. It is just plain dreadful. Mm. And no work has been done to try and not stop freedom of speech, but this is abuse. It's not free speech. It's, it's not liberty. It's license. Mm. It's an absolute abuse. And these people are too scared to say it to your face, mm. but they're saying on, on social media. Keyboard warriors. And then, again, when I look at the media in this country, great progressive feature of the media is that having been been starved of the resources to do their job properly, they've gone for 10-second sound bites. Mm. And life is not 10-second sound bites. It's darn hard work. You take decades to build a reputation, and they'll try and destroy it in 15 seconds flat. Mm. I'm making a speech about that later on today. And we'll find out who was right and who was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, thank you so much. Is there anything that you wanted to ask me or us? Not really. I just want to encourage you to uh, keep going because, you know, the new world we're going into will require not just work. 
we've all got to work. Mm. But we've got to work smart, mm. real smart. And that means that uh, if we work real smart, we'll do far better. We'll get our productivity up and we'll be, far, we'll be of far more use to both our families, ourselves, our families, and dare I say it, our country. But not just there. You know, we are part of the Pacific uh, in, the set, in the sense that our future and fortunes lie with how well we do in the Pacific. The reason why I began the Pacific Reset as the Foreign Minister in 2017 was I could see that huge voids and vacuums had built there. We hadn't made the investment that's critical for our own long-term future. Mm. And we've turned that around. Mm. Now we're going back to a far more respectable level of investment. And I just hope people understand that here, if you're from Samoa or from the Cook Islands, from wherever, nevertheless your home people need to know that they've got a consistent, reliable, understanding friend in New Zealand. Mm. And it's in our interest. When we're, at the, when we're at the United Nations or any Asia-Pacific meeting, people don't just look at us. They look over our shoulders and ask, who does that country speak for as well? That's why this is an investment. And we don't sell it well enough uh, to the general population of this country or, dare I say, at the media, mm. for them to understand why it's these investments are essential. Mm. Okay. We've got a lot of Pacifica people here too, and we, we talk quite often about the diaspora mm. and the, uh, I guess the what happens for people group when they migrate the way that Pacific Islanders have um, and the ones that are living here. So it's a really close topic to us as well. But you're going to work smart for us, Winston? Well, I've done the best I can. I mean, awesome. When I became foreign minister, our, our aid was down heading to 20.21% of GDP, mm. the lowest in the whole OECD. That's what I inherited. Mm. It's probably now at 0.35 mm. of uh, uh, GDP. That is not nearly as high as it should be. But it's been a real battle to get us there, and I just wish that more island nations and more Pacific people in this country understood that we have reconfigured our right to be able to call ourselves a reliable partner in the Pacific. We've put the investment in. Mm. And we've got all sorts of people shouting out, oh, they're wasting money on diplomats and this. And as soon as you get a crisis, they go straight for foreign affairs and want to know what you're going to do next. <laughs> Take the COVID situation. When we heard about this, we put 50 million aside for our Pacific response with respect to the Pacific economy. Mm. Now, it might sound like it's huge, but if we don't put the money there, some unfortunate force will put the money there. Mm. And our world will be a very different world, right on in our board. Yeah. It won't be concerned about the Pacific values. It won't be the ba concerned about the Pacific belief in God in particular, mm. which is very different from the general setting won't be prepared to stand up for flags and for values. And so this is an essential investment. I know this is getting a very serious conversation, but in the no, end it really means something. And it was dying in the sense of, of a proper commitment from a country like New Zealand. Mm. We've turned that around, and I'm very proud of that. Well done. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I really do wish we could keep talking. There's heaps of stuff we could talk about. But it's been a pleasure to have Give you here. Give me another five minutes if you like. Yeah? Yes. Yeah? You want another five minutes, guys? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can afford that. All right then. So we do, I mean we do, we have a lot of Pacific peoples out there. Why do you think that out here in South Auckland, your team over there is rolling their eyes behind you, <laughs> telling on you. No. Um, what would be like, why would they, like, I guess it's just a straight up political question, why would they vote for you? Well, if they have a good hard look at who, for example, in terms of their home country, mm. has done more than any other foreign minister. Mm. As I've no difficulty proven that, not, not once, now twice. Ask the Pacific leadership, ask the Prime Minister of, of, of Samoa, of 
Cook Islands or any other part or Vanuatu or uh, Tonga, which guy has stepped up to make sure his country stepped up? Mm. That's number one reason. The second reason is in two times in government, the last time and this time, it was New Zealand First that drove the minimum wage up. Yeah. We drove the minimum wage from $9 an hour in 2005 to $12 an hour in three years, played the biggest jump ever. And again, now the aspiration the Labour Party is actually campaigning for is a New Zealand First written into the coalition agreement. Oh, really? Not theirs. Mm. We made far higher demands, but we've also said they've got to reconfigure business taxation so they can afford these wages. Yeah, yeah. In short, cut the business taxation. Here, come, here will come the outcome. If you get better wealth and greater production, then we'll do better for everybody. Mm. And so, how shall I put it? I think mainly Pacific people are conservatives and have a social conscience. Yep. And my party images that. Mm. Awesome. But they can vote for all the rest. But I would say to you, uh, you know, and we're a very reasonable party. You can vote for anybody else on your first vote. You've got two votes. <laughs> Buy some insurance. <laughs> You'll need it. <laughs> I want to ask you about the uh, digital stuff, but first of all, I thought for, you'd just be the foreign affairs minister so you could travel heaps. Is that right? No. Oh, oh you couldn't. Come on. Look, be honest. No, you're so wrong. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're so wrong. I, I mean, thought I owe it. That's why I was Not having to travel. We were in India. I was in India with David Parker on a paid mission. And we just got back before this thing broke. Otherwise, we'd have been trapped there. And I haven't been anywhere else since. And so I've been the most thrifty foreign minister <laughs> that you'll have ever seen. Damn it. Uh, well, it's, look, it's not all beer and skittles, the reality. You're on a plane, you've got a, well, you've got a long haul, and we try and travel overnight, get off the plane, straight dressed into the business and work. Yeah. Travel at, at night time if you possibly can. And we have a famous saying, that's one more city we never saw. Yeah, choice. choice. But somebody has to do it. But here's the point. A lot of people think they can do it, but what is the impression they leave and what progress do they make? Yeah, yeah. That's seriously important. Yeah, awesome. You said people need good jobs. Digital's part of the good jobs. What are, you, what, what are your thoughts around that? Digital skills, training, opportunities. Well, we've started hubs all over this country. I went to see one in Wairau the other day. I saw yeah, one in Kaiko. There's some cool one day. It's launched. This is taking people who never had a chance to be in this place seriously training them up because the country needs them mm. and we've got we've got a vacuum there we are not training fast enough mm. so every effort should be made to smarten up our economy in that context do you think creative tech and uh, creative skills could be one of our biggest exports well we've got creative capacity of course we yeah. can, uh, it should be fun because you, when you look at most successful businesses of course one man or one woman had a vision and it's creative vision and here comes the rub they appear to make enormous sacrifices to bring it to reality. Mm. Very yeah. yeah. Okay, that's us. I can see everyone out there going, let's go. But thank you so much. It was a choice to have you, choice to chat to you and not just see you on TV. My aunties are going to be so jealous. Uh, kia ora, Winston. We've got a little call for you give here. Give my regards to your auntie and tell them. I will. I said to keep the faith. Will you? Yeah, okay. they'll be so. They would ask, you if you're, ask me to ask you if you're single. Got a little koha here for you. Thank you so much for coming. Let's give him a hand, eh, guys? Thank you very Kia ora. much.